This episode is approved by Modish Prototype. Modish Prototype is a trendy and sexy clothing line founded by Cleveland designer Najee Young. Modish Prototype specializes in clothing for plus-size women designed by plus-size women. Find your Modish fashions at modishprototype.com. That's M-O-D-I-S-H prototype.com. You can also find Modish Prototype on Instagram at modish.prototype and on Facebook at Modish Prototype. I do it for the culture, I do it for the people, I do it for the love of it. I do it for the culture, I do it for the people, I do it for the love of it. My people build pyramids of light and the filament are light, it's heaven sent. What's going on world, this is your girl Asia Towns and... This is the culture podcast that you have tuned into. You're listening to wherever you are. TC is not with me today. However, we have a dope professional mm. educator writer in the studio with us, Mr. Cortez Harris. Give it up, y'all. Give it that. up. What's going <laughs> on? Welcome to the culture podcast. Um, no, um, thank you. I appreciate your uh invitation. Um you know what's going on it's a process um i am learning i'm evolving i'm edifying in fact i just found out that um one of my new poems entitled um call me it's actually um being published through a um, global anthology um man. called uh a garden of black joy so i'm i'm very elated about that man that's that's super mm-hmm. dope i'm so proud of you i'm sitting here with a published author <laughs> and i'm just i'm just really excited can you explain a little bit about that mm-hmm. what the global what what, what that whole uh, organization is and how mm-hmm. you got involved and how mm-hmm. i mean clear you 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 were chosen i was so chosen how, how, how did that universe did chose that me um you know it was it, it was a it was a sheer blessing in fact um there's this um poetry organization um renowned poetry organization um called buttons poetry and they were actually um um, promoting uh this um non-profit organization that's based out of minnesota and what they were doing Mm -hmm. is they was trying to get black authors black writers um to come together and unite in a um an anthology which is a book of um diverse poems Mm -hmm. so these are poets from i mean all over from berlin germany um, from mm-hmm. South Africa, Cape Town, from New Orleans, mm-hmm. and you know, from Cleveland. Well, I'm not from Cleveland, but I'm 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 here in Cleveland, so right, it's, right. so it's a, a pretty uh, unique opportunity. Oh well, I'm super excited to have mm-hmm. you on, and we're gonna get to that more. Uh, but I, let's dive into who you are. Let's dive into Quartez okay. Harris. Who are you? Where you're from? Um, what do you do? What what inspires you? Like, give us some background. Okay, so I am a father. <laughs> mm-hmm. I am a father of a young black male, so that really pervades my work as a writer. Mm-hmm. Um, I am also an educator. Mm-hmm. Um, I tell people all the time that if you want to be a better black father, just be a early childhood educator. Right. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm telling you, in urban education, a lot of kids grapple with not having a father grappling with the absentee of a father. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I am a published author. I published a book in 2014, which mm-hmm. um, a friend of mine who presented this opportunity, um, she saw something in me that, that I could not 
um, see within myself. And mm. she said, hey, um, Cortez, you've been doing a lot of writing. Um, I know you have a sample manuscript. Mm-hmm. This publishing company outside of Cleveland is offering an opportunity for you to um, send in a sample manuscript. And based on your manuscript, you will be judged. And then they will determine if you're rewarded mm-hmm. or prized with a full-length book deal. Mm-hmm. I sent the manuscript and it was i can't remember the specific date but i do remember the time mm-hmm. and it was you had to send send in the manuscript by six o'clock i sent it in at two met at um 559 hit Man. submit on 559 because i at the time i was dealing with um some low self-worth um i did uh-huh. not think that i had the capacity um, to actually write a book because again the book was a simple manuscript it wasn't a full-fledged book okay. um nor did i think that i had um any ability um to be someone that people would read um so it was mm-hmm. cool to know that um i sent in the manuscript and i found out a month later that um, i was offered a full-length book deal which i was it was in 2014 so i just graduated from college um yeah so it was just surreal it was unfathomable particularly um when i take into account um, of growing up with a learning disability and poor writing expression. And, I read that in your yep. book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, really quick, um, the book that we're referring to that uh, Fortes Harris wrote in 2014 is called Nothing, Comma, But Skin. Um, you can find it um, somewhere, I'm sure, but I, I've, Amazon, I'm, Amazon. Amazon. I've been into it, and that's Fortes with a Q, okay? Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> listen to that part. It's different. Listen, we we Who different. Okay, we unique. So, um, that's the book that we're referring to. Um, I just wanted to shout that book. I, I'm into it right now. Mm, I'm in, okay. I, I'm all up in it. I'm sitting inside of the book <laughs> as we're sitting here. Now, if you guys can see that, <laughs> um, I'm glad that it's 2018 and someone is still reading my book. Um, book never dies; they never age. No. So that's great. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So. So what about your educational background? Because you are an educator, not just as a father, a fatherly educator, but you're an actual license. You're an educator. You work in um, Cleveland Metropolitan School District as a teacher. So, yeah, tell us a little bit more about your, you know, about that. Just really quick, I want to shout out the Culture Kids. There is a kid here, a black young man. Cortez brought his son to the studio, and I welcome the kids because mm-hmm. we we are we have kids of the culture. Mm, we're millennials, that. we're parents, and we're, we're working, and we're adjusting, and we're adjusting. It's a, it's a, it's a beautiful adjustment. <laughs> Listen, you went to Ohio State. Yeah, so I went to Ohio the, State, me, the Ohio State University, and I have <laughs> to um, um, share this. Uh, not only did I go to Ohio State. When I graduate, um, oh, President Barack Obama was our keynote commencement speaker. Oh so I was actually supposed to graduate two thousand and um twelve, mm-hmm. but I graduated a year late, uh-huh. which it, it it was designed. Um yeah. if I had graduated before that, I don't it, know. Wouldn't I wouldn't better recognize a commencement speaker, but I recognize exactly. Obama. See, everything happens in mm-hmm. it's when it's supposed to happen. Yeah. So yeah, so what was your major and like I, I remember you were just saying about you had a learning disability. Mm-hmm. So quote unquote cuz they'll put anything allegedly. on us. Allegedly. Allegedly, they'll put anything on mm-hmm. us, you know. Um so I it's almost like I my life was um a stairway into education. Um mm-hmm. having a disability or allegedly having a uh disability and um 
poor writing expression and poor reading comprehension. Um, that's something that I reckon with throughout the school year and um, throughout my all of my educational endeavors. And I vividly remember um, feeling like I was not destined to be anything in the realms of learning. Mm-hmm. Um, so, again, I dealt with the stigma associated with having an IEP, um, going to college and denouncing my IEP, saying I don't have one, but knowing that I certainly needed the resources um, to align my instructional um, readiness into college. I went through college my first two years just denying I had an IEP or denying that I needed some form of assistance mm-hmm. um, going through college. And fortunately, I went to, um, shout out to the Office of Disability Ohio State because they really helped to ensure that I was in a position to thrive. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm very sensitive to learning, um, particularly kids who are challenged with the process of learning. Mm-hmm. So um, I graduated with actually a social work degree because although I'm very sensitive to um, the learning experience, I'm also sensitive to what happens to a child before they go to school. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a chance to do social work for two and a half years, but then there was something missing. Mm-hmm. So I felt like, um, I'm okay, I graduated from Ohio State with a disability, allegedly. Um, I'm a, I am a licensed social worker. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that I have the capacity to transcend a classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, and being an African-American male, I know that it would be um, an optimal experience for young black boys, black girls to see mm-hmm. a black man in a service role, mm-hmm. um, to see a black man teaching them. So I thought, wow. And, per- and particularly see a black man who actually does not look like what he's been through. Yeah. Um, and representation matters. Yeah, representation matters, particularly knowing that um, black men only represent 2% of um, educators in our um, educational system, which is very yeah, disheartening. It is. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. I, w- I was talking, I had a, was doing an episode with uh, another black educator who's also a principal in CMSD, hey. and you guys work in the same uh, same facility, same okay. same building anyways. And we were talking about the percentage of mm-hmm. people of color in a educational leadership as a teacher or mm-hmm. a principal role. And, um, you know, we we're going over those numbers. And, like, I was asking her, what do you think, why do you think people of color don't get more involved in an educational role as, as a teacher or a or a uh, educational mentor or principal? Because the percentage is low. Mm-hmm. What do you? Th- what are your thoughts on that? Like, why don't more of us become teachers? Mm-hmm. Uh, one, the representation wasn't there. You mm-hmm. know, you're mm-hmm. young, black girl, black boy, and much of your educational endeavors have been revolved around white teachers, Caucasian mm-hmm. teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You don't see that as a career choice. You mm-hmm. see that as um, something that you just happen to experience. Um, mm-hmm. So I think the representation, once we strengthen the representation of black teachers in the classroom, you will see more people aspiring to be um, teachers, Mm -hmm. more children aspiring to be teachers. In fact, I have a student who um, told his um, counselor that um, he had never said that he wanted to be a teacher before um, he met me. And he said, you know, I think I want to be Mr. Harris when I grow up. I want to be a teacher. So I think it starts with just the compelling representation of blackness mm-hmm. in a classroom and once they can see oh wow black people teach too that can, yeah, can, that can that. yep that can be a part of the repertoire 
Everybody, mm-hmm. representation matters. Yes, it does. Like, it like, does. like, and we, and I know a lot of things are going on, like as far as like Hollywood, and you know, even in the community, representation matters. Mm-hmm. These little black boys, little black girls, they want to see themselves, mm-hmm. and then they want to be that. Yes, you know what I'm saying. That's that's. I think that's amazing. Mm-hmm. I remember, um, you know, just being a kid. And be like, I'm, yeah, I'm never gonna. I didn't, I didn't have any black teachers. Mm, I don't remember mm-hmm. until I got to high school mm-hmm. when I, you know, moved to New York. Uh, shout mm-hmm. out to Poughkeepsie High School, uh, go Pioneers. Mm. I, I, that's when I saw black teachers. Mm. And yes. even then, you know, I've seen a white teacher antagonize a black teacher. Oh yeah, like bullying, like mm-hmm. full blown, mm-hmm. real life, professional mm-hmm. adult bullying. Mm. Like that's crazy to me. It is. And, you know, shout out to, um, you know, everybody affected by bullying. Uh, this is actually Bully Awareness Month. October oh, wow. is. So, mm-hmm. you know, we just want to make that aware. The right month. Right. Like, what inspires you? First of all, before we talk about what you have coming up, what inspired you to write this book? Mm. Um, Knowing that you, you, you were, all the odds were against you as a black man. Knowing you had a, quote unquote, learning disability. Mm-hmm. What like why why would you want to write? Um, so the book nothing but skin. The title means um, this idea that black people are no more than their skin. Mm-hmm. Um, they are the superficial exterior of what you see. Um, so the book was really trying to explore this negative plight um, or narrative of blackness going beyond what you see and really revealing um, the intrinsicness of being black. Mm -hmm. Um, So ultimately it was more like um, something really internal. Like I felt like, okay, here I am a black male. Mm -hmm. I'm a college graduate from the Ohio State University. Mm -hmm. Um, Defied every odd. Uh, I remember my mom said she sat in IP and um, they told her that your son will never be able to function on his own. So now I am a functional college graduate and I was a functional social worker Mm -hmm. and now I am a functional father, functional father, as you can see, (laughs) Levi. Hey, hey, Levi. (laughs) So, um, so, you know, so it's like writing a book, the act of writing a book and in the act of publishing a book, that's a story too within Mm. itself. So I knew it was very intentional. I knew if, I, as a black man, writing a story about black men, if I can write a book about blackness um, and how we are black in, mm-hmm. um, that mm, I felt people, I, yeah. <laughs> I felt people, I felt that people will be um, receptive to my message. But also, you know, during that time period, I mean, you have the Trayvon Martin, you had a lot of different things um, that was really plaguing the black society, the black community. So I felt like I had to write this story. It wasn't a matter of like, oh, I, you know, just write a story to make, to you know, to monetize the story. No, it was like, I, if I don't make a dollar from this, that's fine as long as somebody reads my book. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, the story, I mean, it's it's a sprawling stories of just, um, you know, Black kids grappling with um, the plight of being perceived as nothing more than skin. Um, the plight of just being attacked by uh, law enforcement mm-hmm. um, based primarily on their own implicit bias. So, yeah, it was just I'm, I'm touching on a lot of different aspects of being black. And I think this book um, 
does justice and it, I think it honors um our resilience and honors the fact that we really virtually came from the teeth of the most terrifying odds. So yes. Mm. So what what do you have coming up? Um, what are some things you have coming up? National, internationally. <laughs> I know. Listen, we speaking it. What's what's hey. going on? Where can we find you on social media? And also, like, what's going on? Um. Yeah, I love the I love your vision. Your vision. <laughs> <laughs> um. So right now, I'm currently I'm working on a project called um, We Made School Alive, um, which it it is it will be a narrative about um what students are grappling with outside of school mm-hmm. and how that is also intertwined within the school. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to talk about, re- you know, representation. Um, it's going to be a book about the state of our ur- of urban education and how um, it's misrepresented, how um, children are being, um, particularly in urban school environments, how they are deprived, how we are still dealing with segregation. Mm-hmm. So it's going to have a lot of these various topics. So I'm hoping that this um, book will put me in a position or trajectory to be able to go to um, schools outside of Ohio mm-hmm. and unite and ter- share this story because we're all um, just still dealing with the plight of um, injustice that has certainly um, plagued um, urban education. So, yes, you can expect to see me traveling more frequently, pretty much reading from that book, talking about that book. But you also can see my work and the anthology that I talked about at the beginning of this um, podcast. So mm-hmm. My work will be featured in Black Joy. Um, so you can expect to see that. You can expect me to just be and be out here just be out here right. evolving so and on instagram we can follow you oh right? you can follow me yeah it's simple cortez with a q q u a r t e z spelled just like quarter you take off the r at the z i know mm-hmm. that's corny <laughs> it's work and don't forget to add the h <laughs> and you can find me on social media and i am and i and i'm very active on social media because um, I do believe that we are visual people and I'm very protective of my image. So I'm really trying to send a positive image into the atmosphere. Absolutely. Do you mind if I read, you know, Excerpt a, a po- uh, yeah. that you don't mind? fine with me. So this is from what I'm about to read as we close. This is from Nothing But Skin by V. Cortez Harris. This poem is called Blacken. The idea of black, black idea. Why do we associate black with black? Tell me the black truth. I do not believe the skin of your definition. Black, 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 feared, feared, feared. I want to be black, not be blackened every day. Live, be human, live, be human. Can I live? Live in my skin, this black skin. Peace and blessings, everybody. Take care.